0: Welcome back to The Wire Podcast. I am your host, Ryan McCrary. I am back here today with my dad. We are going to be talking about the 2023 NBA draft a little bit. Uh, This year's draft is coming up next Thursday. We are about a week away uh, from the draft. I'm excited to talk about it. I told y'all we were doing this earlier this week. Um, It's here, so we're going to preview the draft a little bit. My dad's going to ask me some questions. We're going to do this interview style kind of like we did when we talked about the nfl draft a few months
1: ago Uh, but i'm excited how are you uh doing great ryan doing great and i know you're excited about this nba draft coming up next thursday uh the spurs are on the clock uh i don't think there's going to be a lot of suspense with that first pick uh but hey it's it's common and um So Anyway, I think I'm going to get started tonight um, by asking you uh, to kind of break it down to the top five prospects that are out there, uh, in your opinion, uh, who you have as as top five and where they may land in the draft order.
0: Yeah, so I'll give you the consensus top five and my own top five. So I'm looking at the consensus big board on rickyscala.com. And on the top five on this site, it uh, has number one, Victor Wimbenyama. Or Victor, Victor yeah, Victor Wembanyama. There you go. <laughs> no surprise. Uh, number two, Scoot Henderson. Number three, Brandon Miller. Number four, Eamon Thompson. And number five, Cam Whitmore. Mine's pretty similar. For me, it would be number one, Victor Wimbenyama. Number two, Scoop Number two, Scoot Henderson. I would have a change at three and four. Number three, I would have Amon Thompson. Number four, I would have Amon's twin brother, Asor Thompson. And then number five, I would have Brandon Miller. Um, and then I can talk about where I think those guys are going to go. Uh, would you want me to break down each player individually
1: as well? or what were you? Sure, thinking? absolutely. Let, let, let's know what you think about each one and, and what they bring to the table.
0: Yeah, I'll reserve my thoughts on Victor for, for the next question, because I know sure. next you wanted me to talk about him a little bit. Yep. So I'll talk about the rest uh, with Skip Henderson Um, Pretty much everyone loves him um, and and there's a lot to like with him. He he is a really talented point guard prospect. He is a little small at 6'2", but he has a 6'9 wingspan, which is huge for his height. He's also an elite athlete. Um, and this past season, or really the past two seasons with the G League Unite, he has had, like, elite production as both a scorer and a passer. Um, he's a really good ball handler, he's great in the pick and rolls, he can get to the rim whenever he wants to, um, and he's super effective as a mid range shooter, which is super important. Um, now he's not a great three-point shooter, um but the fact that he is a good mid-range shooter will make him more dangerous in the pick and roll um uh, when he can't get to the rim because it gives him just another way to attack defenses. Um and he, he has a super high ceiling on offense because he's so good as a scorer and a passer. When you look at, at you know, prospects in recent memory that have had similar production as him in terms of like scoring and passing Guy names like Sharif Cooper, John Morant, Lamella Ball come up, and I know Sharif Cooper ha- hasn't really found his place in the NBA, but Lamella Ball and John Morant are both All Stars, um, both really good players, and have both become like um, like the best offensive players on their respective teams. Um, now, I have read, I actually wrote an article about Scoot Henderson a few weeks a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I have raised, or I have some, some concerns about Scoot Henderson. His performance this last season, I didn't think was amazing um, in a few areas. I thought that his, his e- efficiency and effectiveness scoring inside the arc wasn't very good, especially for a guy who kind of has um, a reputation for being a great rim finisher. Um, I thought that his two point scoring wasn't great, his free throw rate was really low um you see him com- you see like when you look at um, like the, the production and guys with similar production profiles, you'll see guys like John Wall come up. And when John Wall was in college, he had a super high free throw rate because he was a great, um, he was great at attacking the rim. Um, and because of that, he was getting to the free throw line a lot. You didn't really see that with Scoot Henderson. Um, I also thought that Scoot Henderson's defense wasn't great in the G League. Um, and his steal rate this past season was really low. Now it was better in two thousand. It it was better last season, like two years ago. Um, as was his like two point uh, field goal percentage. Um, but this this season, um, his, his production in those two areas was lacking, in my opinion. Now he did have an injury that he was dealing with this season, which may may be the cause of that. You know, he may also have been coasting because he knew that outside of the two exhibition games that he had versus uh Victor's team in October. Like, outside of that, he knew he didn't really have to do much, so maybe he was just coasting. I don't know, but um, I do think because of those issues, like, those might be issues moving forward, and if so, um, him not being a great rim finisher at his size, um, not being a great shooter, and not being a great defender, that could hinder him a lot and keep him from reaching a ceiling. Now, I think that he has the potential to be an all-NBA caliber player, an all-star. But if he continues to have issues with his three-point shooting, his defense, and his interior scoring, um, there's just no way that he's going to hit that ceiling. And so I think that his floor is is a bit low, um, or maybe lower than people think, and I think that the chance that he hits his floor is a little higher than people realize. But he's still a great player, an, an awesome prospect, would go number one. Um, most years, um, but I do have some concerns about him that I think people are overlooking a little bit. Um, and I think that he is going to go to the Charlotte Hornets. Um, and if he doesn't go to the Charlotte Hornets, um, there's been a lot of reporting that the Hornets are also interested in Brandon Miller, so they could go with him. Um, if, he, if he doesn't go to the Hornets, I think he's going go to go Par- to the Portland Trailblazers at number three um, or to any team that trades up for him. Because um, there has been a lot of talk about teams potentially trading up into the top three to get either Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller. So I think that Henderson is going to end up on the Hornets, the Trailblazers, or um, whatever team that trades up if that does happen. Uh, Then at number three for me, I have Eamon Thompson. Um, So in my top five, I have Eamon and Asor Thompson. They're actually twin brothers. Uh, Both played in the Overtime Elite League in Atlanta, Georgia. uh, They played there the past two seasons. Both of them, um, uh, they did not play in high school their senior year. They joined the OTE um, and played in that league for about two years. The OTE is a really odd league because it's, it's it's a professional league. But it's made up of players who are whose age ranges from 16 to 20 20 years old, maybe 21. Um, so it's you've got young players and you've got guys who are like grown adults. So it's like a big age range. So it it does make their evaluation tricky. Um, but Eamon Thompson, I love. I think he's an awesome prospect. He's a six seven point guard with a uh, a seven foot wingspan who has. Hyper elite athleticism. Um, and he has ridiculous production as a scorer, a passer, and a defender. Um, his production in all three areas are off the charts good. He's a great um, rim finisher. His ability to get into the paint and attack the basket is elite. Um, it's unbelievably good. And he's also an extremely good passer with high feel as a playmaker. And his combination of athleticism rim finishing, and passing ability could make him a dominant ball handler in the NBA. Now, he isn't a great three-point shooter. Like, his perimeter shooting is really bad, um, and and that could keep him from hitting the ceiling. Um, and he really can't hit floaters either. Um, so his scoring was great in the OTE, but I have questions about whether or not that's going to translate to the NBA. Um, and you know, if teams are going to sag off him and pick and rolls, how's he going to attack that? Like, cause he doesn't have a floater in his game right now. He isn't a great three point shooter. So that's something that he has to change. Um, but I, I, I think he's awesome. Um, I think he is just a, a really gifted player. Um, it's really hard to evaluate his game, like I mentioned, because he played in the OTE, um, and he was one of the older players in that league. Uh, but still, I think I think he has shown, you know, a lot of high level physical tools and a lot of high level skills um, that that make me believe that he does have a, a lot of potential as a as a really strong. On ball creator at the next level, and that's what everyone's looking for. When you look at the top players in the NBA, they're all great scorers, great passers, and and most of them are are great two way players. Eamon Thompson fits that fits that mold, and I think he will be awesome in the NBA. Um, if the perimeter shooting can improve a bit, um, <laughs> but even if that doesn't, even if he doesn't become a good perimeter shooter. I think that his floor is high because he is so good in so many areas. Um, I think he should at minimum become a, a quality role player, um, which is a nice bet inside the top five. We have a guy with this kind of ceiling and that kind of floor. Um, and I think that he is going to end up with the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets have, um, there's been there's been reporting that they're interested in, like, in Cam Whitmore from Villanova, um, as well as the Thompson Twins. Um, and, and the most recent reporting I've heard has said that the Rockets will go with one of the Thompson twins and it seems like that would most likely be Eamon Thompson. So at number four I have a Sore Thompson, Eamon's uh, twin brother. And it's hilarious how similar these two players are. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're literally, like, carving copies of each other. They play really similarly. Right. Um, their stats are, like, the exact same in every area. Um, As you but would what, expect with twins. Yeah, but but what separates Amen from a sore, for me, is I think Amon's a better athlete. Amen is, is a historically good athlete. He is, like, a Zion Williamson-level athlete. Like a game a legitimately without a, the fat. Yeah. Without being fat. Yeah. yeah he, he's like a skinny Zion. Mm-hmm. Um, like he is a game breaking athlete and I don't feel that same way about a Thompson. A Thompson is a great athlete. Like don't, don't get me wrong. He is an absolutely fantastic athlete, just not in the same caliber of athlete as Amon. Um, and they actually both, um, their, their OTE team played against, uh, professional international teams this year. They played about six games against international teams. And Amon performed a good bit better than Asor in those games. Um, so I feel more comfortable with and Thompson. But Asor's is great as well. Um, he's a big guard wing with a seven-foot wingspan like his brother. Um, he's a, a talented passer, great athlete, uh, good rim finisher. Not quite as good of a rim finisher as his brother, but still really good in that department. Um, and he's also a great defender. And um, he had a, he he actually won the MVP and the Finals MVP of the OTE league this summer. Um, and some, some people actually have a ranked over Eamon Thompson. Um, so a is awesome. And um, I feel the same way about his ceiling and his floor as Eamon. I think he has like I think both of these guys have all star potential um, and are so good in a lot of areas that they can at, at minimum be role players in my opinion.
1: I think the last time we had a set of twins coming out um, that had first round talent with, and I, I'm trying to help me remember their names from Kentucky. The guards, oh, yeah. um, you remember? Oh gosh, it escapes me. But anyway, I think that's the last. Harrison. Time. Yes, it's like Aaron, Harrison, Aaron Harrison, y- and yes. I don't know the other one. That's correct. Yeah, uh, but I remember when they were coming out. They were twins and out of Kentucky, and uh, it's interesting. It's just it's it's interesting. You know, just the the fact that they're identical twins and their games are close to being identical. It's just uh, fascinating to me.
0: Yeah. And if you I don't know if you've seen pictures of them, Mm -hmm. it's wild how 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 much they look like. Like, it's hard to tell that tell them apart. Right. When you see pictures of a sword, it's like, all right, which one is that? It's really hard to (laughs) tell them apart. That's yeah. awesome. I'm very high on them. I think they're right. awesome. It's a gamble with them because they do come from a, from the OTE, and it's a really weird evaluation mm-hmm. with the way games are played in the OTE, and the fact that they were, you know, playing against like kind of high school age kids, and they're the the oldest players in that league. It makes the evaluation tricky, but the skills and the physical tools they have are rare, and right. you know. When I think of how I would draft as a GM, I'm not going to be conservative. I'm going to swing right. for the fences. The draft is not the time to be conservative and, and to, to, you know, swing on guys that have high fours. Swing right. for the fences. Right. And I think the Thompson Twins have all-star upside, um, and I would be very comfortable taking them very high in the draft.
1: I just looked it up, and you were right. Uh, the Harrison Twins were Andrew and Aaron. Okay. Andrew. Out of the are. University of Kentucky. So, anyway. Okay. On to the biggest Actually, name. Actually, let me yeah. wrap up with number sure. five. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 I'm sorry. No. I thought you were done. My bad. No,
0: you're good. we got to finish up with Brandon Miller here. Um, and Brandon oh. Miller, I, I guess the first thing, like, when you're talking about Brandon Miller. What do you think? The first thing you have to bring up is his off-the-court issues that yes. he had this year. Correct. Earlier, earlier in the season, um, he – was, one of his teammates um, was charged with capital murder. Um, he, he shot and killed, or actually, he delivered a gun to somebody else who then shot and killed a, a single mother in Alabama. Um, and what happened was Brandon Miller took his, um, uh, Alabama had just beaten LSU, and after the game, uh, Miller and some friends, or Miller and some teammates, went out to a club. Uh, the line was long, so Miller dropped his friends off, didn't want to go in, so he went home. Um, and I believe how it went was that he eventually came back, got a text from, from the teammate who was charged with capital murder, telling him to bring the weapon. Um, I have seen evidence that, or I've seen reports that Brenda Miller was texted that, that there was a confrontation. Um, and that someone had been threatened. Um, we don't know for sure if Miller knew that his teammates had been threatened or not, or if he even saw the text, but he did receive a text that indicated that his teammate, um, had been threatened. He, he, um, arrives at the club where his teammates are at and where his teammate is having an altercation with this woman and her boyfriend and some of her, some of her friends, Brendan Miller arrives, his teammate um, grabs the gun out of, out of his car. It wasn't Miller's car, I should clarify that. Or sorry, it wasn't Miller's gun, mm-hmm, I should correct. clarify that. It was not Miller's gun, correct. it was his teammate's. And Miller never touched the weapon. But Miller's teammate grabs the gun, hands it to somebody else, um, indicates that the gun's loaded, um, and then a shooting occurs. Miller's at the scene. Now, Miller was never charged with anything, Um and I'm not sure if he should have been. I'm not going to say that he should have been. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, but it is a crazy situation yes. to be in. Yes. Um, and so if you're a team, you do have to be comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure I would be because uh, I have my own opinions about the situation mm-hmm. that I don't really feel uh, comfortable sharing on a podcast because I don't want to slander Brandon Miller. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, yeah, if you're a team, you definitely have to look into that and get all the details regarding that situation. But in terms of who Miller is uh, as a player, I like Miller. I'm not as high as him uh, as some people. Um, I wouldn't take him over Scoot Henderson, which may happen on draft night. But I do think he's a a really good player. He's a 6'9 wing, who's a solid athlete with the elite shooting ability. He's also a solid defender and a solid passer. Um, I just don't think that he he has the skills to be like this Great uh, creator, like some of the other players in this draft have, um, but I do think that he can be, you know, um, a sub All-Star caliber player, like a top fifty player in the league. Someone who is, you know, a top three player on a championship uh, caliber team. Um, he, he's going to be a he should be a plus starter in the NBA, in my opinion. I think he'll be really good. Um, I like his skill set a lot, and I think it translates to the NBA really well. I think he's very similar to Jamari Smith last year. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually had similar questions about Jamari Smith. I wasn't as high on, on him as, if, as everyone else. But I, I do like him a lot. I think he's a little bit worse than Jamari Smith because I think Jamari Smith was better on defense. But both are, um, are good prospects. I like Miller a lot. Um, and I think he is probably going to go top three, um, whether that be to the Charlotte Hornets, the Portland Trailblazers, or any team that trades up. Uh, but I do expect him to be a top three pick. And now we can move on. Well, <laughs> Now we can move
1: on. I just end end that conversation on Brandon Miller, um, I think on the scouting report, uh, one of the top things on the scouting reports about him is he gets a lot of open shots for his teammates. Hey,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'll be
1: here all week.
0: Yeah, I remember, oh man, the jokes <laughs> that were made on Twitter. Oh, man.
1: So anyway, no, I, seriously, uh, I, out of these, you are into all of this uh, as far as all of these leagues and foreign players and, and all that. I'm, I'm kind of old school, so I just watch college basketball. So I'll say out of these top five prospects, uh, Brandon Miller is really the only one I personally saw a lot of this past year. Yep. Uh, he was on TV a lot uh, with Alabama having the season they had. He is pretty impressive. Uh, he he has a very good skill set. Uh, he he did, um, I guess the uh, the San Diego State game where they bowed out in the tournament. Uh, they were expected to be a Final Four team, possibly a national championship team. Uh, Brandon Miller was a wall in that game. He was yeah. nowhere to be found. Well, he, he
0: really struggled in the tournament.
1: Yeah, for I,
0: me, like I don't. Um, some people may care about that a lot. For me, I'm gonna lo- just look at what he did for the entire season. Yeah. Or for the entire season, he was a, yeah. he was he was a force. He was awesome as a freshman. He was a force, and he was. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know you know back down on my on my evaluation of him just because he struggled for like four games. Sure, that's just too small of a sample size to change my entire evaluation of him. Right. Um, but yeah, he did struggle. He did struggle a lot in the tournament. Right,
1: that's not deniable. All right, so now uh, the now we can move on to the probably the, obviously the biggest name uh, in the draft. Uh, the expected number one pick is Victor Wimbanyama. Uh He is a generational talent. Uh, some say he is one of the best uh, picks number one picks to come out uh, in quite some time. So I'm going to let you have the floor with Victor Wimbanyama and give the audience um, an idea of what his skill set is and how he compares to, you know, top picks in the past as far as potential to really set the league on fire.
0: Yeah, so Victor Wimbanyama, um, he is the consensus top-ranked player in this year's class. He's my top-ranked player in the class in his own tier. Um, Victor Wimayama is a 7'4", 240-pound uh, center, or a really big man, um, and that might be an unfair uh, descriptor of him, calling him a big man, because he, he plays a lot on the perimeter, and he has a, a very perimeter-oriented skill set for a big, um, and he has an, 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 an a ridiculous 8-foot wingspan, which is nuts, um, and I think that he has the potential to be, one of the best players in the NBA on both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively. He's an elite defender um, who's an awesome rim protector. He blocks shots at a crazy rate. Um, he produces at a high level as a scorer and a passer. Um, he, he is just so good in both of these areas, uh, kind of like Scoot Henderson, um, so productive as a scorer and a passer. And I think that he has elite three-point shooting upside for a big man um he didn't shoot the ball well from three um overseas however he took a he took a large volume of threes and he shot over 80 percent from the free throw line we know that three-point percentage is not the best indicator of what you're going to shoot from three in the nba um three-point volume and, and free throw percentage are better indicators. And he is really good in both of those areas. And I think the reason why he didn't shoot well from three is that a lot of his shots that he takes are really difficult. He takes a lot of shots off the dribble. Um, he takes a lot of difficult shots off the dribble. Um, sometimes he takes bad shots. And some people may see that as a major issue. For me, I think he is just he's just a really talented player who at this at this stage in his career is just like testing out what he can do because he's a freakishly talented player for his size um he's got an elite handle for for a seven-four big man um and i think overseas he was given a lot of freedom within the offense and i think he was testing out his abilities um and i think that's why he was taking so many difficult shots it's not like he can't generate easy shots for himself he can um, I think he was just trying to see just how like he was testing the limits of his superpower. It's like it's almost like uh, if you watch like the the first Spider Man movie when Tobey Maguire when he first gets his uh, Spider Man powers, he like is in his room testing everything out mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes just messing up and making a mess. It's kind of like that. He's just like he's a superhero who was just testing out his powers. Um, but yeah, Victor Womenyama is a he is definitely a generational prospect. I know some people may, you know, when they hear that, they're like, all right, is this kid mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. really, like one of the best prospects of all time. The answer is yes. He is the best prospect I've seen. Um, now, I wasn't, you know, old enough to, you know, evaluate LeBron James coming out. Uh, but since I've been watching basketball seriously since 2000, around 2013, He's the best prospect I've seen. Mm -hmm. I was a huge fan of Zion Williamson. I thought Zion Williamson was a generational prospect when he came out. And Victor's better than him. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, like, I am a huge fan of Zion. Loved him coming out. And I think Victor is clearly better than Zion. Like, that's how good Victor Wimbenyama is. And I think that Wimbenyama is so good as a shooter and a rim predictor. That even if he doesn't become this high level creator on offense and doesn't reach his potential, like it's really hard for me to see him busting because he has so many translatable skills that fit within every offense and, and and that will that give him such a high floor. So barring injury, I just it's hard for me to see how he busts. He's a super safe prospect with a super high floor. He can be the best player in the NBA someday. Um, and he can be a hall of famer. Um, now I'm not going to say that he should be a hall of famer. Like some people have said that if he isn't a hall of famer and if he isn't one of the best players of all time, he's a disappointment. <laughs> I won't go that far because those are just really, really high expectations yeah. for a 19 year old kid. Like sure. he's, he can't even legally drink in, in the United States. Like I'm Correct. not going to put, uh, that level of expectations on him, but he definitely does have that kind of potential and realistically, if he hit like his 75th percentile outcome, he he could be mm-hmm. a a strong all star, um, maybe a low level All NBA caliber player. But that's like his That's just if he turns out okay and it's just like um, doesn't hit his ultimate upside. But his stealing is through the roof. Right. Victor Wembanyama is a awesome prospect.
1: He probably is going to keep Greg Popovich on the bench for a couple more years. I thought Popovich may be getting close to calling it quits, but when they end up – it seems like the Spurs, you know, they win an NBA championship, and then um, then next thing you know, they have a terrible record. Then they get the first pick, and then they win another NBA championship. And then when those, you know, those guys uh, all retire and go away, they get bad again. And guess what? They win another uh, lottery. So uh, the Spurs, I tell you, um, the Spurs are pretty lucky. I need Maybe I need to get them to buy me a lottery ticket um, uh, next time. But anyway, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. There's no doubt that, that he's going to go number one. Oh, yeah. He,
0: he is guaranteed to go number <laughs> yeah. one.
1: So anyway, all right. So next, uh, what we're going to talk about is, uh, you know, uh, th- there's a lot of uh, – uh, deep dive into all of these guys coming up uh, for the draft and top prospects and and who's high and on some and 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 who's high you know maybe low on some down on some so i'm gonna i'm gonna get you to um, maybe throw out some guys uh, that you're maybe that you're high on that might not be in that top five that are sleepers okay? And maybe throw out you know two or three names uh, that guys that might be getting overplayed a little bit and might not be quite as good uh, in the NBA game than what people are saying that they're going to be. So. Take it from there.
0: Yeah, I'll start off with guys I'm higher on than the consensus. The first guy I want to bring up is Kaysen Wallace. He's 11th on the consensus big board. I'm probably going to end up with him around 7th on on my big board. I think Kaysen Wallace is awesome. He's a guard from Kentucky, really a combo guard. Um, there aren't a lot of weaknesses in his game. He's... A awesome defender for our guard. Um, he he's a good mid-range shooter. Um, isn't a great three-point shooter at the moment, um, but um, just a really good all, all-around offensive player. He's a solid playmaker, a great rim finisher, um, and just a, a really good passer. He's got great passing volume, like his his assist numbers are great. Um, ha, has high feel as a playmaker. Um, was super productive as a defender in terms of his steal rate and his block rate, um, and he performed really well versus top 50 opponents as a freshman. Now, he is skinny, and he is really small. Like He's 6'4", 185 pounds. Um, that's that's a small frame for a guard. In the <laughs> I'm 185 day. pounds. Yeah, like that, that is small. I ain't 6'4". Um, and, and he's not a great athlete, um, so maybe his ceiling isn't that high. Um, but I just think he does so many things at a high level. Um, the, the, scoring's good. Um, the mid-rank shooting combined with, combined with his rim finishing and the passing and the defense. Like he has so many high level skills. Um, and there's a website called martorvik.com, um, which is, uh, like a website with a huge statistical database going back to 2008 for NCAA prospects, are really all NCAA players. Um, and when you look at his, at Casey Wallace's statistical comps, his 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 closest comp is Drew Holiday, and they are like almost identical in terms of their production. And Drew Holiday is like a sub All Star caliber player, like a really good player. Um, and so, I think that he can have that kind of career. And if he's if he turns out to be Drew Holiday, he's worth a top 10 pick. Um, and, like, Kentucky guards always overperform over their drafts a lot uh, for whatever reason. Um, but, yeah, I, I like Casey Wallace a lot. I think he's awesome, and I think he should be a top 10 pick. So, after him, I'll go about three guys I'm high on and three guys I'm low on. So, next up... I gotta mention one of my favorite players in the draft, Brandon Podzimski. He is a combo guard from Santa Clara. He is 29th on the Steve
1: Nash country, isn't it? Oh yeah, yes sir. There you go. He's
0: 29th on the consensus big board. For me, I don't have like a dead set ranking for him, but it's gonna be inside the top 15. Um, maybe even closer to 10. Um, I think he is an awesome prospect, does a lot of things at a high level. Uh, let me pull up my notes for him. So um, he's 6'6", 205 pounds, has decent size for a guard, tested, really, tested pretty well at the Combine, um, and he started out at Illinois, didn't play there, so he transferred to Santa Clara, um, and as a sophomore, had a breakout season, um, carried a high usage for Santa Clara, um, and was really productive all around, whether it be as a scorer, um, a shooter, a passer, and a defender. Um, he's just really good at production in all those areas. Um, he's a good rim finisher, a really good passer, with good feel as a playmaker. He's really good at limiting turnovers, and he was extremely productive as a defender. Now, he does have poor length. His wingspan isn't great, um, and he played for a mid-major program, um, and this season, his production fell off a cliff versus top 100 teams, and those are pretty big question marks, and it's why I don't view him as a clear-cut top 10 prospect in this year's draft, because um, when you just look at you know, his individual skill set, it's really impressive, um, but I think when you look at how he fared against top competition, his length, the fact that he had to transfer away from Illinois um, to, you know, be productive at a mid-major, those are big question marks, uh, but I like him a lot, um, and I'm not really sure why he is ranked just 29th on the consensus big board, I think that's, like, criminally low for him, Um, even if you weren't super high on him, I'd figure he'd be over some of the, um, some, like, freshmen who didn't have a great year this year, but... I'm a big fan of Brandon Podzimski. I like him a lot. Okay. All right, now let's let's look at some some other potential guys that I'm high on. Um, let's go with with like an upperclassman that I like a lot, and I'll go with Trace Jackson Davis, big man from Indiana. I swear, Trace Jackson Davis has been in college for like eight years.
1: <laughs> he's he's like the guy from. Who's the guy from Kansas? Oh, that um, was there for fifteen gosh, years. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> uh, something,
0: was it something, Ellis? Yeah, something, yeah. I don't remember, Some man.
1: dude at Kansas seemed like he was there for fifteen years. Anyway, I'm sorry, I but to, I'm I pretty sure
0: that, that when I, because I remember, I think I wrote like an, an entire draft <laughs> guide for the 2020 NBA draft. And I'm pretty sure he was in that. Wow. He was like testing the waters at you. Yes. So exactly. he's been he's been in the draft or in draft talks for multiple years. Right. Um. So yeah. Um. Trey Jackson Davis, a 6'9", 245 and forty five pound big man, um, who was super productive throughout his career at Indiana. He's got a good frame for his height. Um. He's a great athlete. Mm-hmm. And in this season, he was awesome for Indiana. Uh, was really good as a scorer, um, and also took a big leap as a passer. He is an a awesome passer for a big man. He's also an elite defensive rebounder um, and had an elite block rate, so he, he can block shots at a high level. Um, now, he is very short for a center. He, like Being 6'9", as a center, hmm. that's short. Th- that's short. Um, and he doesn't have I don't think now that I say I was about to say he doesn't have good length, but he actually does. I'm pretty sure he has a, seven, a seven one wingspan, which is pretty good for his height. Um, he is very old for a prospect at 23 years old. Um, and there are some other issues with him. like he's just an average rim finisher for a center and if you're gonna be an average rim finisher as a six9 center, that's a big issue. He also had an average offensive rebound rate in uh, this past season. And an average steal rate, um, and I'm really worried about the rim finishing and the offensive rebounding. If he were really good in those areas, I would have him a lot higher. I would have him as like a clear, like easy first round prospect, um, and and probably like a, a top twenty prospect in this year's draft. Right now, I had I have him slotted in at at twenty one on my big board, um, and on the consensus big board. He's at thirty-four, um, but I like him a lot, and I like to, I like what he does defensively. Um, I love the passing from him. I think the passing gives him some sneaky upside, um, and I love the athleticism, and I like that he's been so good for so many years in college. I think the fact that he's been playing at such a high level for multiple years um, makes up for the fact that he's such an old prospect. But yeah, I like him a lot, and those are those are three guys that I'm higher on than the consensus.
1: Okay. How about on the flip side?
0: Yeah, on the flip side, um, guys, I'm lower on than the consensus. I can start with Cam Whitmore. So I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that he is top five on the consensus big board. I don't really view him the same way. I have him outside the top ten, probably around 16, 15, somewhere around there on my big board. I like Cam Whitmore. Um, He's a huge wing. Uh, Let me pull up his measurements. Real quick. Um, he's 6'7", 225 pounds. Um, so he's a, a big wing in terms of height and weight. And he's a strong athlete who can play above the rim. Um, and he had a solid year for Villanova this year. Um, he's a great rim finisher. Um, I think he projects to be a really strong defender. He had an elite steal rate. Um, And he has a solid wingspan. He's also a great defensive rebounder for a wing. um, And he's really solid at limiting turnovers. He has a solid turnover rate, which is really good for a guy who likely isn't going to carry a high usage rate in the NBA. He's not going to have this high offensive load in the NBA. He's not going to be handling the ball a lot at the next level. So it's nice to see him have a solid turnover rate. Um, My issue with him is that I don't think he's going to be a great three-point shooter. He, um, he wasn't a great three-point shooter at Villanova. Um, he didn't take a decent amount of them, uh, but his free-throw uh, percentage was good, but not great. And he projects to be about an average three-point shooter on, on solid volume. Um, and in high school, when he played in the EYBL, his three-point shooting wasn't very good, um, and his free-throw percentage was bad. So I question... Um, how good he's going to be as a shooter. Um, I also have questions questions about his playmaking. Um, he wasn't very productive as a passer, had a low assist to turnover ratio, which signals that he may have low feel, may be a poor decision maker. Um, and um, those are pretty big question marks for a guy who is projected to be a top five pick. Um, I like him. I think he's good. Um, I think he can be a, a a role player, maybe even a starter in the NBA. But I don't think think he has star upside. I just I, I don't see how um, he becomes a star in the NBA with with how bad his his production is as a passer, and with um, the, considering the fact that he has a just an average projection in terms of his three point shooting. Um, so I like Cam Whitmore, but I don't love him enough to to draft him top five. Um, I view him more as like. Maybe a back, back end of the lottery, uh, middle of the first round type of guy. That's where I think he should go. And then uh, after him, I'll go with a guy. I'll go with, um, with some freshmen that I'm not a huge fan of. Let's start off with um, Gigi Jackson. So Gigi Jackson um, is a freshman forward from South Carolina, um, and he is a huge player. Um, 6'9", 214 pounds. Um, and a big reason why people are really high on Gigi Jackson is because he is 18 years old, um, and at South Carolina, he became, like, this high-volume creator, um, he had a very high usage rate, was initiating the offense a ton, um, however, the production was terrible, like, I'm just gonna be blunt, the production was awful, um, he had a really bad freshman season, um, he was an average rim finisher, a bad mid ring shooter. He projects to be a poor three point shooter. Um, had a, 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 really bad production as a passer in terms of like his assist rate, his assist to turnover ratio. Um, and even for his size, he wasn't really productive as a defender. Um, so I just, I don't like Gigi Jackson that much. I get the upside that he has as a potential creator, Um, but I just think that his production was so bad his freshman year that I'm just not interested in him as a, as a, as a prospect. And apparently he is, he has done poorly in interviews, which is another issue. Um, right now he is, um, 27th on the consensus big board. I would not take him until the second round at most. Um, and, and, and when I say second round, I mean middle to late second round. That's where I would take him. I just don't feel comfortable taking him um, anywhere higher than that. Uh, Just my opinion. But hopefully he can outperform my expectations in the NBA. Um, Let's see. Who else would I want to talk about? I want to talk about someone, maybe like an upperclassman who's getting a lot of buzz. Who maybe I think is, is worse than people think. Um, but I'm not seeing anybody. I'll go with, um, let's talk about, what's his name? Jordan Hawkins. He's a guy that I'm a little bit lower on than the consensus. He is a um, 18th on the consensus big board. He's a, a wing from UConn. And he had a really good year this year for UConn. Um, Was one of their better players as they won the national championship. Um, and he does have a valuable skill set. So it's not like he's a terrible player. Um, I just have a few issues with this game. So Jordan Hawkins is a 6'5", 195-pound wing. Um, and his calling card in the NBA is going to be a shooting. He is an elite three-point shooter on really good volume. Um, and he doesn't turn the ball over much. Um, but he doesn't really do much outside of that. Outside of his shooting, there's not a lot to like about his profile. Um, or there's not a lot a lot of areas where he is elite at. Um, he's undersized for a wing, he's old for his class, he's 21 years old, which is a bit old for a sophomore, um, he's a poor two-point scorer, a poor rim finisher, um, he's not a great athlete, wasn't a great mid range shooter, um, has pretty a- below average uh, passing production, um, his assist to turnover ratio was poor in college, um, and he, he, he's not a great rebounder for a wing, Um. And just outside of a shooting just doesn't provide much outside of that. And while shooting is a valuable skill in the NBA, if you can't do much outside of that, you're just not going to be that valuable of a player. And players with that kind of, with that kind of profile, players who are shooters and nothing else, um, they tend to be pretty volatile, um, and they, their stock can go up and down. We've seen that with guys like Davis Bertans, um, who's now from the Mavericks, <laughs> Um, a few years ago, had a great shooting season and received a huge contract from, from the Washington Wizards, and now he's not really playing that much. Um, and even that, that same thing happened with Duncan Robinson from the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a great year a few years ago. Uh, started to shru- He signed a big contract, then started to struggle, um, was not a huge part of their rotation for a little bit. Um, luckily for him, he, he was able to, uh, to find his groove again in this year's playoffs, and was a huge part of their of their run to the finals. Um, but my point being that if all you can do is shoot, if that is your main skill and you don't have other high-level skills, your, your ceiling isn't high, and your stock can fluctuate um, in the NBA. So I like Jordan Hawkins, and I think he's worth taking in the first round. Um, I just... I'm not a huge fan of his, and I am worried that he doesn't do enough to be a high-value player at the next level.
1: Okay. Does that to cover your uh, your uppers and downers? That covers it. All right, gotcha. Yeah, uh, back to your point about uh, shooting. Uh, yeah, you're shooting. You can go through a slump with shooting, but if yeah. you're good defensively, you usually don't go through the defensive slump. If you're if you've got quickness on the court, you don't slump with that. So yeah, if you're if all you can do is shoot, you're gonna have some down times and if you don't have anything else to bring to the table uh, your point exactly.
0: Yeah, and there are there are players like in every draft who can't shoot. But they do so many other Other things as well. Like like there's a guy like that in Anthony Black, who's a guard from Arkansas. Who isn't a great shooter, but he's a really good passer um, and, and he's a really good defender. He's also a good athlete who can put mm-hmm. pressure on the rim. So although he's not a great shooter, like he has other avenues to provide value. Correct. So he doesn't have to be a good shooter. Now, if, if he becomes a good shooter, then we're looking at like a really good player. Correct. Um, but even if he doesn't become a good, sh- a good shooter... He has other avenues where he can provide value for a team at the next level. So gotcha. it is important to have a variety of high-level skills. There you go. All
1: right. So next topic we're going to talk about is the NBA G League. And, and for novice uh, folks out there that are not big time on the NBA uh, may not know a lot about the NBA G League. It has kind of become a big, big thing uh, in years past. Especially with the rules with the NBA on when guys can come out uh, and be eligible for the draft, so I want you to kind of uh, provide a little little history on the NBA G League and how it works with these NBA prospects coming out of high school.
0: Yeah, so the, the NBA G League is a or the NBA G League Ignite is a team that is part of the G League, um, which is the developmental league for the NBA, kind of like. If you're a baseball fan, it's kind of like the minor leagues. That's what the G League is. And the G League Ignite is a team that was created about, I guess, two years ago because the first draft where we had G League prospects in was 2021. So that t- 2021 was the first year that we had the G League Ignite. And the G League Ignite is a team that is made for, is made up of, of young prospects who are about to head into the NBA um, and it also has some veterans on the team, and it's just a, a place where players who don't want to go to college and don't want to go overseas can can join the G League Ignite, they can make money and also develop their skills in a semi-professional setting, that's basically what it is, um, and over the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of players drafted into the NBA from the G League Ignite, Some of the top players that have come from G-League Ignite include Jalen Green, who is now a member of the Houston Rockets. Jonathan Kaminga, who is now a member of the Golden State Warriors. He's not playing that much for them, um, but he is a part of their team. Um, Last year, I'm trying to think uh, of who was drafted last year from the G-League Ignite. Um, I can't remember last year, but this year we have like Scoot Henderson. Mm-hmm. Um, Leonard Miller is another prospect from the G League Ignite, who was g- probably going to be a first round pick. Um, but every year you have a handful of guys from this league. Um, and if you're, if you're a young player producing in this league, that's impressive because all of the guys in this league are French NBA level players. So, um, when you see guys who are productive in this league, you should be very interested in them, and, and you should keep your eye on them, so yeah, that's basically what the G League is um, it's been a thing for about three years um, and players, you know, when player in that team, the G League Ignite they play against other G League teams, um, and this year we saw the Ignite play against uh, Victor Wembanyama's team in two exhibition games mm-hmm. um, and so um, that was the first time, I believe, that they did something like that when they played mm-hmm. against, like, an international professional team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mainly they play against other G League teams.
1: So, uh, in, in to end that, um, the, the, the rule of the NBA, because we've seen it, you know, in the past, like with LeBron James back then, guys can go straight from high school to the NBA. They yeah. changed that. Now it's like the one-and-done rule. So, yeah. so the rule is you either have to have one year of college or you have to be a certain age past high school if you don't go to college, right?
0: So if you want to – so I think the rule now is that all you have to do is just be one year removed from high school.
1: Removed from high school. It doesn't mean that you have to go to college. You go to the G League. You yep. go overseas, play for a year. Just a yeah. calendar year has to pass after you you get your high school diploma, and you're eligible for the NBA. And draft. I
0: think you you may also have to be 18. I think there I think there's also an age mm-hmm. um, limit, or a, you, know, right. you have to be a certain age. And I think that's
1: 18. Right. So so that that's where kind of the uh, G League and the elite team where that comes in is an option. Yeah. For a high school kid that. Might not be college material. Wants to hone his game instead of going, you know, to a college and play. And you know, so that that's an avenue.
0: Yeah, okay. I will say, last year there there was a top ten pick from the G League night that I just forgot, uh, Dyson Daniels, who is now playing go. for the Pelicans. Okay,
1: all right. So a little a little bit of history lesson there, a little bit of education. Uh, now let's get to our local team, the Atlanta Hawks. Um, this year was a very frustrating year for Hawks fans. Um, we saw a team that pretty much underachieved, had some pretty high expectations. I mean, we were a couple of years removed from a, a run, nice run to the Eastern Conference Finals. And uh, we had traded um, uh, with the Spurs uh, and had received... Uh, DeJounte Murray. DeJounte Murray. DeJounte Murray just lost my train of thought there for a second. So Deshante coming in, trying to provide a playmaker alongside of Trey Young in the backcourt, pretty good expectations, just never really got off the ground. Okay. Uh, coaching change takes place. Uh, and, um, to me, a great get for the Hawks before the off season even got here was Quinn Snyder. Um, one of the bright young, well, he's I guess he's not young anymore, but Quinn is one of the brighter minds in, in the in the league. Is as term in terms of and what he did at Utah with the level of talent that he had, he really uh, produced some some successful seasons there with them. Uh, so now they got Quinn, uh, they got Landry Fields, the young general manager. Uh, they got the team together, and here's the off season. So, what do you see the Hawks doing to improve themselves both through trades, free agency, and through the draft?
0: Man, you just wanted to hear me rant, didn't you? Uh, uh, yeah. Man, you know I am not – I don't go easy on the, Haw- or on, on the Atlanta sports teams now. Right, that's right. Um, so, yeah, I think you summed it up really well how our season went this year. Um, it was a <laughs> – A very underwhelming season. Um, We did make it to the playoffs, uh, beat the Heat in the play-in, ended up playing the Celtics, losing in six games. Um, And I don't really know where the Hawks are going to go from here. Um, After we made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, I think we felt pressured to kind of go all in and go all in quickly because I think we wanted to appease Trey Young. And we wanted to show him that hey, we're committed to winning. Um, and I think that's great. I just think we made dumb moves toward like towards that goal, to reach that goal of becoming like a consistent a consistent winner. Um, I personally never liked the DeJounte Murray trade. And that's nothing against Murray. DeJounte Murray is an awesome player, a great playmaker, an awesome defender, really good mid range shooter. I like him a lot. I just don't think he's a good fit next to Trey Young because both he and Trey Young are players who kind of need the ball in their hands, um, and I just don't think they're a good fit next to each other. I also think that we paid a lot Mm -hmm. to get DeJounte Murray. We gave up three first-round picks, which was a bit expensive for a guy who I viewed as not quite an all-star caliber player. I know that he made an all-star team um, two years ago, but... I didn't quite view him as an all-star caliber player just yet, um, and I thought that we we overpaid in that trade, and I think we've made multiple other mistakes along the way. Us trading Kevin Herter was a mistake. I know Absolutely. we we didn't want to pay the luxury tax, and I get that. But you know we traded Kevin Herter, and then we just recently extended, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich
1: right what are you doing like I
0: I like magdonovich but he's in, he's a bit injury prone and older and older and an older player than hurt than and like he has Made n- no sense. he has injuries all the time like he, he dealt with a knee injury this year am I correct
1: you're correct he's always hurt uh,
0: and it's like what are we doing like, yeah. like we didn't want to pay Kevin Herder, and then we had to just watch him dominate for the Kings it made no sense, and like we we extended Hunter, we we signed him, which made no freaking sense at all. I don't know, I don't know why we like Hunter so much, but we knew for some reason.
1: They're just hoping that he'll live up to a number four pick, which he won't. he's not. He's and, not,
0: and Hunter Hunter is not terrible, but he's just not worth the money we're paying him and and, in my opinion, he's not as good as AJ. Griffin, the rookie that we drafted, right. who we won't play, right, which makes no sense. I think
1: AJ Griffin must have parked in Quinn's parking spot right after he got to Atlanta because. It, it's it, what's crazy with that was A.J. was playing a pretty good bit. He was in the rotation with Nate McMillan, who Nate generally will not play oh, in players.
0: It, Nate will will die before he plays in the rotation. So,
1: so A.J. is getting playing time and playing very well. I mean, he was a rookie of the year candidate there for a while. And then when Quinn comes – I mean, I love Quinn Snyder, but I don't know – he obviously didn't see the same things in A.J. Griffin that um, McMillan did – and A.J.'s playing time uh, almost stopped after Quinn came in. You would think, you know, Quinn was a Duke guy. Yeah. A.J.'s a Duke guy. Um, so, I, I, I don't know. You know, Jalen Johnson continued to get playing time. Um, so, you know, I, I was a little confused there about about that. Um, so, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. I, th- I think A.J.'s big problem is he's got to improve his defense. He's got to play better defense.
0: Yeah, and – you know, we. I think what we need to do now is get more shooting. Hmm. This year, um, and really with the moves that we made over the last over the last year or so, is we tried to improve our defense. We did that by getting to John T. Murray, um, and we did that by trading Kevin Herter away. Like we started to play um, Jalen Johnson a bit more. Um, so I think we were trying to become more more defense oriented. Um and the the ironic part about that is our defense still was like average to below average, mm. so it didn't do much, right? Um and our and our offense suffered, so we right. just, it didn't help us whatsoever, um and so I think now we have to improve our shooting. I think at some point we're gonna have to make a, another major splash. I don't know how we're gonna do that because this free agency class this year is not great. Mm. Um, I think. The next, class, the next free agency class that's, like, really good is, I think, in 2024, maybe 2025. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 2025, which is, like, two years away. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think we're going to be able to, you know, make any moves in the immediate future that's going to, you know, turn us into a contender. Um, so I think we're kind of out of luck, honestly. Yep. Um, I think we're just going to have to roll with the roster we have with minimal changes. You know, we may trade John Collins um, in the, in, in the offseason, <laughs> maybe trade him to a team like the Phoenix Suns, who showed interest in him at, at last year's trade deadline, or I guess that's this year's uh, trade deadline. Um, maybe at some point we trade DeAndre Hunter. I don't know. I know we've been interested in Jalen Brown, and... yeah. I'm not a huge fan of Jalen Brown. I like Jalen Brown. I think he's good. I just think he's massively overrated right. and not right. not worth what we would have to give up to get him. Correct. Um, so yeah, I don't really. I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't have a positive outlook on the Hawks' future. Um, I think we've made a lot of mistakes in the last couple of years. Yeah, I agree. Um, mis- mistakes that <laughs> I wouldn't have made. <laughs> right. I wouldn't have resigned Hunter. I wouldn't have. I would have traded John Collins mm-hmm. years ago. I mean, I was asking Collins to be traded when he was averaging like twenty and ten. Mm-hmm. Like sure. I was asking then for him to be traded. Right.
1: Well, he had to, he had more value than he does now.
0: I mean, I've been beg- begging for them to trade him for forever i never wanted the jante murray trade i I hated it when it happened i've been asking us to play on yeko okongwu more for years i mean i've been begging all season long for us to play aj griffin more so i yeah i i am in uh i'm just i disagree with basically everything our team has done in the last like year year i guess the last year or two
1: well and, and and let me let me ask you this um I became very disgruntled with Trey Young this year. Um, I know Trey uh, gets a lot of love, um, but he did not have a good season. I mean, you you look at the stat sheet. Yeah, his points per game and all that were great, but he his three point shooting this year was not
0: good. Yeah, it, it was it was bad. Um,
1: his you know cl- uh, crunch time uh, scoring uh, was not where it normally is. Um. Trey, I, I don't know. I, I don't see in Trey his maturity level uh, where it is right now. He He's not a leader uh, for that team. He does not carry himself like a leader off the court. On the court, he doesn't care. I mean, he, he gets technicals uh, when he shouldn't. Um, I just think he needs to grow up. Um and 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 try, you know, he's got to be a leader of this team. He's he's got the contract to to prove it. Uh, but I think this past year was an off year. Now you're going to have people that are going to take up for Trey till the cows come home in Atlanta. But um, I, I'm I'm pretty critical of him right now. He needs to step it up.
0: Yeah, my I will defend Trey Young. I, I'm a huge <laughs> fan of his. I will defend him. I think that it's a fair point about like the maturity thing and like his on-court leadership, on-court body language. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. I think he also might be pissed off that his front office is dumb and keeps making ridiculously stupid decisions. Like his front office is terrible. And I, there was an article released in the Athletic a few months ago. Maybe that might even have been a year ago talking about how the owner's son was kind of taking over and acting as the GM right. at one point. And kind of, you know, he played a role, a big role in the DeJounte Murray trade. Right. So it seems like there's dysfunction in the front office. And Trey Young's probably pissed about that. Right. And I, I, I don't know how Trey Young feels about, about having DeJounte Murray on the team. I think that, that it's a solid fit, but not the best fit. And I think that the team that we put around Trey now is worse than we had when we made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, because we don't have shooters. Like, our starting lineup has DeAndre Hunter and John Collins and Clint Capella, Mm. which is... And and then DeJounte Murray. So you have four guys. Like, the only great shooter on the team in your starting lineup is Trey Young. Mm -hmm. So the spacing sucks. Mm -hmm. You have... Like, John Collins had the worst year he's had in years. Like, I get why Trey Young might be upset. Yeah, I get it. I well. completely understand. Mm. And, and, and and sure, you can say that he should have handled it better. I get that, and I think that his three point shooting will bounce back. I mean, he's still shooting eighty eight percent from the free throw line. Oh yeah, it's not like the shooting touch has gone has gone away, and he was still productive as a scorer and a passer. Um, but yeah, this was definitely a down mm. year. Um, and and I, I get I get the criticisms for his on court behavior um so i'm not going to defend that but i will de- i will say that there, there may be reasons why he's not happy with the organization
1: well uh i guess if you if to put a little cherry on top put a little silver lining on it um it it does appear from what i can see by watching the games and from what i read uh, of the coverage i think you i think trey's a big fan of quinn yeah I think he's a big fan of Quinn. I think he likes Quinn a lot. I think Quinn likes Trey. Uh, I think they have a good relationship. Um, so, I, if you're and it's this is it. I'm old school, uh, but this is a time now where in the NBA you're gonna your superstars are gonna have to be babied. They're gonna have to be appeased. They're gonna have to be made happy and comfortable. So if that's what's gonna take for Trey to up his game a little bit. You know, maybe it's a good thing that he's he's got a head coach that apparently he, he's comfortable with. He likes. He he, he didn't like. He, he wasn't. He ended up not being comfortable with the last two coaches when yes. they when they were leaving. Um, so hopefully, this relationship with the head coach will 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 kind of maybe help him be more comfortable and up his game a little bit.
0: Yeah, I almost th- feel like in the Trey Young situation is similar to Luca's situation in Dallas, where very similar. Like, like this, been talks about how Luca's unhappy. Yeah, and very similar. Yeah, and it's like, like I get it. Like mm-hmm. it's it's not their fault. It's not Trey or Luca's fault that their mm-hmm. front offices are dumb. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not Luca's fault that the Mavs. Let Jalen Brunson walk, and then mm-hmm. watch them be an all-star, mm-hmm. borderline All NBA caliber player for mm-hmm. the Knicks, mm-hmm. and watch them dominate in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, see that I, I, you know I made the point, and some people probably thought I was nuts, but I watched how uh, Jalen Brunson performed in the playoffs, and I was like, I don't know if I would take him over Trey Young right now. The way that kid plays, yeah, uh, he's he he was clutch. He was a leader uh, on the court. Um, you know that's what we need in Atlanta. Uh, we we need you know, so Trey can do that. Trey's c- perfectly capable of doing that. He's he personally he his his he's just got to up his maturity level a yeah. little bit and uppers leadership skills some, and and become that guy. Yeah, he's,
0: I, he's he's a lot different than a guy like Stephen Curry. Like Stephen Curry feels like the the embodiment of like leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen that through all of the Warriors championship runs. And I don't right. think Trey is m- quite built like him. Mm-hmm. I think Trey is more, more a little more cocky, maybe a mm-hmm. little bit more full of himself than Steph is. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and part of that may be, maybe due to the fact that like we've had some dysfunction in our front office, right? Um, and we've had a coaching change. Um, and and, and we've, he's actually dealt with two coaching changes mm-hmm. in his career so far, so maybe it has something to do with that. Maybe he disagrees with, with the way the team's being built. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I I think like I get why people might complain, and I get your concerns with his attitude, and and I think that's that's fair to some degree. But I also think that you know the front office deserves a lot of blame too. Mm-hmm. They should you know be better at their jobs and maybe their superstar will be happy.
1: There you go. Well, sometimes I'm, I'm like the old man yelling at the cloud. So, anyway, I just want something to complain about. And, <laughs> and so, which brings us to the next topic. Uh, <laughs> college basketball, uh, it, you know, it, we're talking about the NBA G League. We're talking about the overseas leagues. Uh, it seems like every year for the past few years in the NBA draft, Lesser and lesser guys are being picked out of college uh, NCAA college basketball into the draft than they are through the developmental leagues to the overseas leagues, um, and that, so my question is: is is college basketball losing some ground in the developmental game of of the NBA? I, I I go back to the – I'm a traditionalist. I go back to before this one-and-done stuff, before these guys were being uh, drafted out of high school. I go back to the days like when Christian Leitner uh, was leading Duke to na- uh, multiple national championships. You had guys like that that were some of the greatest uh, bas- uh, college basketball players in the history of the game that were playing four years e- every year. And you could really, as a college basketball fan – you could you could follow teams and, and go from season to season. You know now it's like every year there's a new set of players out there that you gotta you've never heard of. You know uh, because it's one and done. Uh, you got some guy and the guys that are staying are not going to get drafted. You know the, the guy that's a senior. Uh, you know he's he, he he's just a blue collar guy. Bring his lunch pail to 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 the game and working hard and and being a team player, but he's probably not going to be good enough to get drafted. Those are the guys that you're used to seeing year to year. These superstars are one and done. So, uh, you know, is college basketball kind of lost its uh, uh, glitter a little bit over the past few years because of this, or what's your opinion? Yeah,
0: so I'll need need a little bit of clarification on the question. So are you asking if it's, like, become, like, a worse place for players' in development,
1: or just correct? Is is has it lost ground, like to um, the developmental leagues, to the foreign leagues, in terms of develop developing these kids? Yeah, like is
0: it less like um oh I don't know the word I'm trying to, I'm looking for, but less like a less like. Appeasing, or af- I don't know what word. Well, that
1: too. I mean, it seems like, uh, like less appealing. Like, le- is that is that the question? Like, well, is it, it... a kind of a combination of the two. Uh, it, uh, the appeal of it, as as far as fans go, from year to year, uh, because you're you, know, you you just got you know guys jumping ship to the NBA after a year. Uh, it Seems to me that's losing some appeal uh, to the average fan out there. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it seems like every year in the draft, it almost seems like in the top ten, there's lesser and lesser guys yeah. out of college in that top ten list.
0: Yeah, I don't think. Um, I think now there there are just so many options. So, like in terms of like how many, like the the direction you can go. Mm-hmm. Like if you're if you're a five star prospect now, you can go to college. You can play in the NCAA or you can join the G League Ignite, or you can go overseas, play in a professional league, uh, play in a league like the NBL, um, or you can now go to the OTE. Um, and I think with like the G League Ignite and the OTE, I think you may have to be invited, uh, but nevertheless, like you, you, you have so many other avenues outside of the NCAA, but still, like, there are way, like, the top 10 this year is going to be like 80% um, NCAA prospects. Um, may, maybe maybe less, maybe about 60% mm-hmm. when you have the Thompson well, twins. Well, you got
1: the Thompson twins, you got Victor, you got uh, Scoot. Scoot. That's four.
0: So so it'll probably be like 60%. Yeah. Okay. Um, so a majority of them are going to be. NCAA prospects and now with NIL I think NIL makes college more more appealing um, and I think co- it's it's way easier if you're a top prospect to see yourself succeeding in the NCAA than it is all these other leagues because if you're playing for the G League Ignite you're going to be playing against a fringe NBA level competition mm-hmm. and if you're that good you should be able to just go and, and have some some level of success against that competition. Right. But that that is difficult, and that's a big step up from high school. Mm-hmm. So you have to consider that. Um, sure. You don't have to take classes. That's a big that's a big pro right. in that. And you <laughs> yeah. are like if you sign with the G League Ignite, you're getting paid five thousand or sorry five hundred thousand dollars. For a year to go play for them. Mm-hmm. That's another pro. Absolutely. Um, but if you go play overseas, that's, that's a bit different. Because if we're playing overseas, overseas internationally, the way they play the game and the way they coach and the way they view the game is way different than it is in America. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a, 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 the game is more physical over there. Um, more centered around fundamentals. They don't love to play young guys over there. You'll see in a lot of professional leagues overseas, young guys don't play much. And if they do play a lot, they don't have big roles. Usually young players who do have big roles overseas are star level players. We see that in Victor Wimiyama, Luka Doncic a few years ago, um, Lamella Ball when he when he played in the NBL. So um, I think they're now... I don't think college has, has become... That that much less appealing, I think there are just a lot more options now, but even then, I still think that, it, uh, just strictly in terms of basketball, and in terms of, like, basketball development, NCAA might be your best bet, because you're gonna be on TV all the time if you're a high-end prospect, um... And you're not going to be playing against like professional level competition. You're going right. to be playing against guys who are your peers. Correct. Maybe, they may not be your peers in terms of like talent, but in terms of like your age and your development, right. they're kind of at a similar stage. Right. And um. So. So
1: if you're if, if you are truly a top prospect. The cream's going to rise as a crop. You will be recognized as such.
0: Yeah, and, then, and if, you, if you're if you a top prospect and you're confident you can dominate in the G League, I might recommend doing that because you don't have to take classes. And if you're dominating dominating the G League, you're going to get looks. Right.
1: So, right.
0: yeah. Gotcha. But Interesting. But I mean, yeah, I still think the NCAA is a great place for players to develop. Yeah. Um, Especially now with, with Nil um, now players can make money off their sure. off their image and like th- off their name image and likeness. Okay. Um, I, I guess the one knock on the NCAA is that you know it, it isn't professional level comp mm-hmm. so like if you want to go play against pros you do have to go overseas or mm-hmm. play for the ignite right um, but, but if you play for the ignite you don't get the, the, the same level of exposure. Correct, uh, as you knew, okay. playing in college basketball.
1: All right. Well, I'll come back in off the ledge now. <laughs> I'm not going to give up on college yeah. basketball just yet.
0: Yeah, don't give up, give up on it yet. <laughs> it's it, it still, but yeah, and it, it it is funny. Like next year, like some one of the top prospects, Zach Eady?
1: huh? Is Zach Eady? No, no. I was going to no. say
0: one of the top prospects <laughs> in next year's class. Um, recently signed with the Ignite. Oh, so, okay. No, yeah. Okay. There you go.
1: So, I'm sorry I was thinking Zach Eady, college guy from Purdue. So nah, anyway. But yeah. Okay. yeah. So
0: yeah, now you will see more top prospects you yeah. know, you know, kind of forego going to college and mm-hmm. instead go towards the G League Ignite route. But awesome. so yeah, I think more I think we're gonna see more players do that now. Uh, but I th- I still think call like most players most prospects are going to be coming from college and I, I still think that college is a good place for players to develop
1: awesome okay that's all I got man yeah
0: that's all I got that was fun that was fun I can't wait for the draft next week all it'll right. be exciting I don't know what the Hawks are going to do Um, it'll be interesting to see but I'm excited we
1: alright well we, we, we shall see who yep. the next uh, stars will be
0: yep thank y'all for listening to this episode hope y'all enjoyed it and I will see y'all next time